Sometimes it's nice to hear about people's journeys in the sports world. We've developed this podcast to host folks who've experienced life through that lens to let them share their stories. So grab your favorite beverage and join us for Stories in Sports in the Coffee Pod. My name is Brian Yanselson. I'm a sophomore in high school. You say 16, right? Yes, 16 and a sophomore. Well, Brian, the reason why we had you on, we wanted to bring you on our podcast today here at Texas Tech is because uh, my producer happened to meet you at the Alamo Bowl here in Texas and San Antonio, correct? Yes, I met Jody at the press box at the Alamo Bowl, and we got to talking, and we I really enjoyed her company, and it was great to meet her. That's great. So talk. let's talk about that. How did, how did you get to the point where you were at the Alamo Bowl covering, in the press box of all places, as a 16-year-old covering the Alamo Bowl? Well, uh, about two years ago, I won a contest to become a Sports Illustrated Kids Kid Reporter. And the way I won that is I entered a contest online on sportsillustratedkids.com, and I had to enter three different essays of different lengths. One of them had to be about a, com- uh, a, a team or an athlete that impacts our community. And so I live in San Antonio, Texas, and I wrote about the Spurs, about how their Spurs Foundation, Spurs Care, um, about how just the community revolves around the Spurs here. And then that was one of them. The second one was about what I wanted to accomplish as a kid reporter if I won. And then the third one was if I did win two story ideas of what I could write about as a kid reporter, and so I wrote about the Oakland Raiders possibly coming to San Antonio, mm. because at the time, um, that was in the news and in the headlines. Yeah, so that was definitely, but how, how long ago was this again? Was, was this when you said you were 14? Yeah, this, well, this was two years ago, this February, so I was in eighth grade um, when I won, and I was, I'm trying, yeah, Two years ago, I was 14. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, and so, did I mean, let's let's talk about that contest. Like, uh, uh, what gave you the idea that maybe you'd win a contest like this, like you, that you had the chance? I'm basically t- wanting to discuss more about your writing. Like, did, have you always loved writing? Have you enjoyed that? Or how did you get into that? Well, I've always loved sports since I've been really, really young. My family, I have three older brothers who all play baseball, who all love sports. My dad, my mom loves sports also. So I just kind of grew up in that environment. And out of all of my family, I became really, really into it. Um, I would always tell my mom things about the Orioles, my favorite baseball team. I'd always say, why'd they make this trade? why they do this, or I would also say, hey, did you see what happened in this sport or with this team? I would always just be talking about sports constantly. That's all I would ever talk about. With my family, with friends that we would go out with, they would always say like how impressed they were. That That's literally the only thing I would talk about. And so my mom said, 
don't get me wrong, I love listening to everything you always have to say, but why don't we find a way for you to share that with other people and to share that with the world? <laughs> so my mom got to looking around online for ways that I could do that. And she, she wasn't necessarily looking for writing or for Sports Illustrated. That's just something that came up when she was looking things up. And so she found that contest. Um, and the year I won was actually my third try. So I, I tried my uh, one year, the first time I tried, I was 12. And we found out late, so I entered it, but it was past the deadline. So that I didn't win that one. And then the second year I entered, I, I heard back from the editor at Sports Illustrated Kids saying that I was one of the finalists, but that I, I just didn't win that year. Mm-hmm. And so it was my third year that I entered these essays that I mentioned that I finally won and I got to be a kid reporter. So this was my, my way of being able to talk about sports in a different way, writing and sharing that on a national platform. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's so funny that this all stems from your mom basically getting sick of you talking her ear off about sports. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, kind of. Um, but good adjustment. Yeah. And I think that was amazing of her to think of that too, that like, she's like, we need to find an outlet because this isn't working for me as well. But you obviously found a great outlet to do that. And so and I, and you started this contest when you were 12. That's, that's fantastic. Um, and what is the age range for those that can enter in this contest? Do you know? Yeah. So when, when I entered, they did the age range from, I believe it was nine the 15 and if I'm not mistaken in the last year they might have reduced that to like 9 to 14 or 9 to 13 mm. but it's within that range that um, they sorry you cut out there for a little bit near the end you said it was in that age range that that what oh um so it's within the age range of it started at when when I entered it was um, nine to fifteen, uh-huh. and it's either still that, or it, they might have uh, cut it. I think they they raised the limit from nine to ten. I think nine was a little bit too young for them, so they changed it from ten to fourteen. I believe. Gotcha. Okay. So are you are you still currently riding with them, or has that has that ended? Has that come to a close? So the Kidder Porter program is a year program. So when I won in February of 2015, okay. it, it was supposed to go on till February of 2016. Mm. Um, I, I did a lot of my articles in that time period and a lot of the events I covered. But then um, I happened to get along really well with my editor, and we just kind of maintained a, a connection and communication, and she said, it won't be as regularly as it was when you were officially a kid reporter, but you can still continue to pitch ideas, and if the ideas work for us and we like them, then you can continue to write. And right. that is something that has lasted up until now. And um, so I, I, I continue to communicate with Elizabeth. Uh, that's my editor, Elizabeth Magar McHugh. And... Um, I'm not officially anymore. Once I turn 16, which I am now, 
I'm not technically allowed to be in the Kid Reporter program anymore. Right. And I believe that's more of a technicality with them since, like, once you're above 16, you're not um, of age for that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I've, the, the, late, the last story I've written for them was the Alamo Bowl. Oh, okay. So that, that may be one of the last ones I do since now I'm 16, but that I'll just have to see. Well, I, I see you, you also got uh, an article in Actual Sports Illustrated, not just, not just SIKids.com, uh, unless I'm mistaking you for another Brian Yancelson, which I don't think I am. Do you know what I'm talking about? The well, water, um, There's a Memorial Day weekend reminder, water safety is crucial. And you're, you saw this on Sports Illustrated? Yeah. Um, well, I have not written for uh, Sports Illustrated, but what happens is I believe Sports Illustrated and Sports Illustrated Kids all goes under the same um, family. And so that article was for Sports Illustrated Kids, but um, I do know what you're talking about because I have seen it on there. Um, I believe that's just something that if you search – on on the Sports Illustrated website that comes up. Also. Well, so what and I every has been for Sports Illustrated kids. Yeah. So yeah, and what I noticed was they must have really liked this article, is what I'm guessing, because um, that's the only article by you that shows up on SportsIllustrated.com. Everything else is under Sports Illustrated kids, which which means you probably knocked it out of the park with this article. And I and I and I went through it, and it would it would make sense. I mean, I'm sitting here reading the first paragraph. And the descriptions you're giving as a 15, 16-year-old, actually at the time you were 15, are amazing. Super impressive with this. This is just fantastic. Um, I'm actually really jealous because I didn't get to write for an online newspaper until I was, I think, 23. Um, And I was covering college basketball at the time. That dipped into college football the next season. Um, Similar experience. But for you to get this now is just amazing. I'm really happy for you, and I think you've got – a promising future for sure. Um, but I wanted to ask you kind of going from that, uh, to, from, from how you became involved with SI kids. Um, you, uh, you had an experience with the Alamo bowl, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which, yeah, you, sorry, you talked about that. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give us a break here because I just got interrupted, and so I need to make sure that I'm, I've got my thoughts gathered. So this is for editing purposes. I'm just going to pause so that Jody can cut that out, and then we'll just move into this next transition, all right? Yeah, no problem. Okay, so l- let's talk about your experience with the Alamo Bowl. Uh, you, that's where you met Jody Rodinson, my producer, and I just want to I, I want to hear about your experiences. Uh, as a kid reporter, I want to know... Were you intimidated walking into an area with a lot of other reporters that had been there for years? I mean, I know in my own experiences, we're talking people that are in their 60s, 70s that have been doing it for 50 years. How did you feel going through that? Yeah, the Alamo Bowl was an incredible experience. It was actually one of um, one of my favorite experiences, if you were to ask me about what I've enjoyed the most. Um, but actually... I had I've been able and lucky enough to to cover quite a few events by this point at the Alamo Dome itself, and so um, with all my experiences going to the Alamo Dome, I've gotten more and more comfortable every time. 
and while this was out of all the times that I've been to the Alamo Dome, the one with the most filled press box and the one with the most people at the game, um, fan-wise and press box-wise, um, I, I didn't feel intimidated because I've been able to kind of break out of that shell that I, I started in. My, my first ever event as a kid reporter was at the Alamo Dome. It was Big League Weekend, that the annual event that is held here in San Antonio for baseball spring training. The Rangers hosted the Los Angeles Dodgers, and that was my first event ever. But I, I've come a long way from, from that event to now. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you have. So take us through the motions. The very first event you go to, I mean, I remember at the age of 23, I was intimidated, extremely intimidated. And I was legitimately like nervous, not knowing what to to do or to ask the right questions in a press conference and things like that. But your first time ever experiencing this, you're 15 years old. What was that like? Going to the Alamo Dome to watch the uh, Rangers play in a preseason game. I was I was extremely nervous. I had never done anything like this before. And as a person, I'm a very shy person. So um, I don't like to talk in front of crowds. I don't like to talk with people that I'm not um, familiar with. So this was um, an experience that was totally, totally new for me. And um, this, this being my first event, I actually went with my brother, Adrian, because in every event that I go to, I have to be with a chaperone. Makes sense. And since this was my first event, my whole family was super excited, and everybody wanted to be a part of it with me and help me. And so Adrian took me to my first event. And I, out of my three older brothers, he's the one that's closest in age to me. He's uh, seven years older than me. And um, it was a really great experience going with him because he helped me a lot, because he's a very outgoing person, so he kind of guided me through that. But I remember my first ever interview at that game was with Elvis Andrews of the Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm. I actually interviewed him in Spanish, because I was born in Mexico City. Oh, no way. And he's... Yeah. So my my first interview was in Spanish, and I was really nervous, because one... Uh, because of the interview and what I was doing and who I was interviewing, but second, because even though I was born in Mexico City, I moved here when I was two, and I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable with my English than I am with my Spanish, and so doing that interview in Spanish was a little bit of a of a stretch for me because I don't really speak Spanish with anyone other than my family. But we went into the locker room and. I asked him if I could ask him a couple of questions for Sports Illustrated Kids, and everybody was really nice in there. They noticed, the players noticed in the clubhouse that I was there, and they turned down the music a little bit, and he answered my questions and was really nice to me. And So that kind of got me rolling, and after that I got to walk around batting practice for a little bit and talk to some other players. I would just stop them. If I saw that they were available, I would just ask, I could ask a couple questions for Sports Illustrated Kids, and no one said no to me, and everybody was really nice um, on the field, and the reporters, I talked to a few of them, just kind of asking them questions about what to do, and everyone was really, really nice to me that day. Well, that's great. I mean, the first the first athlete to refuse a kid and asking questions, I think uh, 
everyone starts to hate, right? I mean, that's just a rule. You can't deny a kid questions like that in a press conference. Absolutely. I, I, and I, I tried to remember that every time I went to an event. I would try to say, I would always make sure to say Sports Illustrated Kids and just know that from their perspective, it, it'll be hard for them to say no to me. So I just had to realize that and have the confidence to, to ask them questions. Uh, that was a really smart move, I'm sure. Um, but you yeah. speak Spanish, so hagamos esta entrevista en español entonces. Si quieres, pero si hablo español. Bueno, pues, yo también. Okay, I don't. Uh, I don't think we can do the whole uh, interview in Spanish. I don't think Jody would be too happy about that. But I think that's great that you speak Spanish. Um, I learned it myself living in Mexico. Um, I wasn't born there though, like you. I think that's awesome. Um, okay, so you you have your first experience. You you interview Elvis Andrus of the Rangers, which is I mean he's an amazing baseball player, and he certainly has had quite the career at the Rangers. Um, but let's talk about your journey through this past year as a as a reporter for SI Kids. I want to hear more about the places you visited, players you talked to. Let's let's start with. Uh, I saw that you've seen twenty of the thirty major league baseball parks. Is that correct, or has, it, has that number changed since then? That number has changed. Um, I have now seen twenty seven of the thirty baseball. Oh my goodness, twenty seven. So twenty seven. Of all those twenty-seven, which one was your favorite? And don't be biased. I don't want to hear the. I don't want to hear the, uh, what is it? Uh, the Camden Yard or yeah, Camden Yards necessarily, unless you truly believe it is the best ballpark. Well, it's an interesting question. I always have a hard time answering them because I've had so much fun at every stadium that I always mix like how much I like the stadium itself and the experience, because I've not had a negative experience at any stadium. But um, I do love Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Um, That was the first stadium we went to outside of Texas. It was what started our our road trips across the country to watch uh, games in every stadium. So it's hard not to, to love that one. It was my dream. Even before I wanted to go to all 30 stadiums, I just wanted to go to Baltimore. Because I've been an Orioles fan, an Orioles fan, ever since I was four years old. So my my dream has always been to make it to Baltimore. So let's address and, that really quickly. Actually, why did you become an Orioles fan? I'm curious. Yeah. So why is uh, a boy from San Antonio, Texas, born in Mexico City, an Orioles fan? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mentioned that I was four years old when I started liking them, and. My family, like I said, was obsessed with baseball. Um, all three of my brothers played. My dad played when he was younger. And the fact that I grew up around baseball, I would always be watching it on TV. I would always be at the games. And one day I happened to to be watching a game with my family, and I just noticed a, a little bird logo, like an adorable bird logo that I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. That's really, really cool for the logo. And keep in mind, I was four, so this was the most adorable thing to me. <laughs> yeah. And um, ever since that day, I said, I should choose that team to root for. Because all my brothers had a team, 
that they rooted for. My um, A couple of my brothers rooted for the Dodgers, another for the Atlanta Braves. So I was like, I need to have a team that I follow. So after I saw the bird, I decided to root for the Baltimore Orioles. And so uh, just a couple of years later, watching baseball, my parents had the MLBX training, so we were able to watch games no matter where the team was at. Um, and I, I truly, when I say became obsessed with the Orioles, it's not an exaggeration. Um, I just fell in love with, with everything about them, and my favorite player was Miguel Tejada at the time. I don't know if you've heard of him. I have, yeah. But he was... You have or you haven't? I have, yeah. Yeah, so he was our star player, even though the Orioles were the one of the worst franchises at the time for a long time in baseball. Mm-hmm. He was the one bright spot. He had his streak going of consecutive games played, um, and that came to an end when he broke his arm. And then soon after that, he got traded to the Houston Astros. And I was in the car listening to the radio with my dad when they announced that he got traded to the Astros. And it was tragic. It was a travesty for me. I, was, I didn't know what to do. I was like, why do we trade our best player? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and that was actually one of the starting points for, I mean, going back to even then, I was asking all these questions. But mainly at that time, I was just so confused on why a team that's so bad would trade the one thing that they have good. I didn't understand the whole building or rebuilding and all that at the time. So right. my dad said, well, it, I mean, the Astros are good right now, and they wanted to get a good player. And I didn't know whether to follow my favorite player or whether to stick with the team that he was on. And I said, I can't leave a team that, even though because, even though they're bad, I can't just leave them. I already follow them. I've already um, loved them for a couple of years. I can't just leave them because one player left. So I decided to stay loyal to the Orioles, regardless of their record, regardless of if he left. And that decision changed my life forever, because from that day on, my obsession just grew even more, and that's what led me to eventually go to Baltimore and beg my mom to take me to Baltimore. <laughs> that's, I love that story. You are learning loyalty at such a young age. I mean... So Miguel Tejada, he got what you got traded in uh, the 2000 when was that 2007 2008 to yeah, Houston. I believe it was I believe it was 2007. 2007. Yeah. So at 2007 just doing my math here, you were about 7 years old, 8 years old maybe. Uh yeah, I believe when he got traded I would be 6 cuz my birthday six. is in September. What day in September? September 5th. Okay. I'm a September birthday as well, the 25th. Oh, awesome. So you're six years old. It's 2007. Your favorite baseball player gets traded from Baltimore, and you're already learning what it's like to be a loyal fan. I think that's fantastic. Sports is the best, isn't it? It's amazing. It's what's driven me my entire life. That's right. I love that. Okay, so back to your experiences. So you start out in Camden Yards there in Baltimore for Orioles Stadium. Um, let's take me through that that trip, and 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 I want to hear highlights. I want to hear like which. I know you said there's you you've enjoyed your experiences at all the baseball parks, but 
what which ones have stood out to you the most or which experiences which what, what experiences in whichever park has stood out to you the most in that journey yeah so that first trip to baltimore was obviously just an enormous highlight for me because um i didn't know that my mom had planned um, a tour of the stadium for me uh she actually had a contact with someone that worked in ticket sales and we managed to get on the field for batting practice and um, it was just a spectacular weekend. I got to meet some of the players on the field uh, and just that was, I was in, in complete shock that all that was happening. So Camden Yards is, is my, in my heart, it's my favorite just because of everything that went on and it was the first one I went to and that whole weekend was incredible. Um, but uh, other other highlights of the stadiums are definitely Pittsburgh. PNC Park is one of the most beautiful parks in baseball. The the skyline and the three the three bridges that uh, that are seen the yellow bridges, the Clemente Bridge that connect downtown and the stadium. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat that. Yeah, I've heard um, that. Yeah, that that's one of the classic um, favorite stadiums. Um, Fenway Park, even though it's not necessarily one of the, m- the more beautiful parks, or the obviously not the most modern, but just walking into Fenway Park, even as a as an Orioles fan, walking into the Red Sox stadium, is just an amazing experience. Being with all those Red Sox fans that. That year, I believe they weren't that good. I, I think that was one of their off years that, you know, how they, they've switched from first to last to first to yeah, last. Yeah, right, right. Last, last place years. And even even if their record was really bad, they were playing the White Sox and a packed house uh, all crammed in by the Green Monster and the Pesky Pole. And they have classic hot dogs, the Fenway Franks, and just everything was really vivid there. And it felt like a true baseball park. Um, same thing with Wrigley Field. Um, I remember the first thing I remember from Wrigley Field is the smell of pizza in the stadium. Normally you smell hot dogs or right. peanuts. In Chicago you smell the deep dish pizza. And you smell that and you walk up the first steps and you're right there at Wrigley Field. And as a baseball fan, that's just something you you never forget. So those two are like the classic stadiums and Baltimore um, for me was, is always going to be the best experience by far. Well, Hey, you know, I'll give you a pass, even though you're a diehard Orioles fan, you, you summed it up pretty well. You talked about your first experience there and I get that. I understand there's a lot of emotion involved in those type of things. So I think that's a, a fair assessment that you've given it. But I would agree, you know, and this is coming... What was that? Sorry? It isn't completely biased because Camden Yards is a beautiful ballpark. It's the ballpark that forever changed baseball. So it's not a a completely out-of-the-park guess to say that. True. No, I I would agree. I would agree. Um, But let's talk about that for a sec. How how did it change uh, baseball? I want to hear that. Um, Well, it was built in the early 1990s, and at that time, most of the stadiums in baseball were the the typical cookie-cutter stadiums that had the football and the baseball team in the same place, and 
And if you look, for example, at Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Cleveland, all those stadiums at that time were, you, you, if you didn't know any better, you would think they're the same stadium. It was a Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, Three Rivers in Pittsburgh, and they all looked the same. They were all round and just nothing different about them. And Baltimore was the first stadium to blend that retro look with the modern ballpark, and it built it around an, an, an already existing uh, warehouse in Wright Field, which is the iconic landmark from Camden Yards. And mm-hmm. The, after after Camden Yards was built, every stadium after that followed the blueprint of Camden Yards. If you look around Coors Field, Minute Maid Park, PNC Park, um, all all those stadiums um, got their ideas and were based off of Camden Yards. I love that so much. I, I, I had no idea. I think that's amazing that... You're so well informed in that regard. I mean, there's no there's no question about it that not only are you a true Baltimore Orioles fan, you're a true baseball fan, and Jody's gonna love that. She's a she's a big uh, baseball fan herself, big time. And I'm sure you even talked about that when you met her. Yeah, and I mean, baseball, my absolute favorite sport. I I love all major sports, and I've I've written about a lot of other sports, but baseball will always be my favorite. Okay, so going off of uh, shifting gears from from your baseball experience, let's talk about the Alamo Bowl. Um, that, I guess, would essentially be the climax to your journey with SI Kids. Now, I don't want to say that's a climax of your uh, childhood, but really that you've reached this peak in SI Kids, and it kind of all ends there. So what was that feeling like? At that point, you're... You're a little more tenured. You have a lot more games under your belt, a lot more articles, and a good relationship with your editor. What was the Alamo Bowl like in your last your last go at it for SI Kids? I tried to just um, think about it like that, that it might be my last, and to enjoy every moment, every interview, everyone I met, just kind of remember that and hope that, yes, it might be my last with SI Kids, but hopefully it won't be the last experience of that type that I get to experience. So um, I definitely did try to enjoy it a little bit more, everything from getting there and parking in the in Lot A at the Alamo Dome that I'm so familiar now, um, and just walking in. And it was definitely different in that some of the other events I've covered at the Alamo Dome haven't been exactly sold out, but the Alamo Bowl has become one of the, the the premier bowls outside the New Year's Six that are so well-known, the Alamo Bowl has consistently been sold out, 60,000-plus fans this year with 59,000. Um, and considering 59,000 with two teams outside of Texas that have no connection to San Antonio. So um, considering all that, it was just a different buzz in the air for the Alamo Dome for sure. Um, and not only the game... I, I really got to, to be a part of the whole Alamo Bowl experience in that I was really with the teams for a whole week because Oklahoma State arrived December 23rd, um, and the game was December 29th. And as a media member, 
we we got the the schedule and everything of where the teams are going to be and all the events. So living here in San Antonio, I got to head out to the practices. I got to uh, be at the hotels for the press conferences, and um, I went to the kickoff luncheon downtown, the pep rally on the Riverwalk. And so it was just really the only event that I've covered that's been not just one day. It's been a whole week of activities. And so just that experience of basically being a beat reporter for the teams in a way um, added to that element. And it was, it was really fun to be part of, a part of that and feel like a true media member, um, someone that travels. Because obviously I met the, the people from Oklahoma State and Colorado. They traveled down here. They stayed at the hotel. And while I didn't stay at the hotel, I, I spent a lot of time there and at the media headquarters. So it was one of the first experiences of a, of a, of a true media member in that sort of way. It sounds like uh, you've gotten, you've got, you got bit by the, uh, the bug, the journalism bug. Seems like this is uh, only yeah. the beginning for you. Yeah. So how did you learn how to write? Where did you learn how to write? Did you, did you just read a lot of books growing up? Did you always enjoy writing? Tell us about that. Uh, that's also an interesting story because I didn't start out really not particularly not liking writing, but I just it wasn't a big thing in my life until fourth grade. I moved to a new school. I'd been going to a, a private Jewish academy, um, and all my teachers there always told me that I was really good at math and like I would always be separated from the class when we got to to the math subject. So I always thought that was my best subject. Well, I moved in fourth grade to the school I'm at now, the district I'm at now, Alamo Heights High School, or I guess Alamo Heights Independent School District. And um, my fourth grade teacher um, in our first parent-teacher conference told my parents, she asked if they'd ever seen my writing. And I remember being there, and they both said, no, what do you mean? We've, we've never really seen his writing. And she said, well, he wrote a little something. We, we wrote a story, um, and it's spectacular. And, like, the way he describes things, and it just it seems really natural for him. And I, I was the one that was most shocked out of everybody because I had never focused on writing. I'd never even thought about it. I'd always thought it was math. But... Um, after that that conference, I said, hey, I mean, writing might be the thing I'm good at. And I really started to like it after there. And um, I'm always going to credit the beginning of my writing career, if you want to call it, or just my writing in my life will always be credited to that fourth grade teacher. Well, that's great. I love that. I love I love your uh, parents' potential reaction there when you're when she asks, "Did you have you ever seen his writing?" And they're just like, "Oh no, what is it?" <laughs> and then the pleasant uh, surprise. Yeah. That's a great. Definitely. Uh, and I actually remember that story exactly what I wrote. I remember writing it even before the conference, and it, it's funny because it goes back to the whole theme of seemingly my my early life. It was when we went to. Uh, Arlington, Texas, to see the Orioles for the very first time. It was July of 2007. We we drove up as an entire family to Rangers Ballpark. They were playing the Rangers and the Orioles. 
And so I, my writing was about that trip in the car, um, what my brothers did, what we did as a family, just like where we stopped to eat. And it was pretty simple back then, but that's what, got, what caught my teacher's eye, and I guess that's what changed my life. Well, I could see why that infused with uh, your, your passion for sports can make for a great combination of writing about sports. And I think there's a, a lot of potential there, and I'm really excited for you. I think this is great. So let's talk about what's next. What, what do you plan on doing? Do you already have um, an, maybe a major in, in your mind for when you get to college? I mean, that's only, it's only about three or four years away. Yeah, no, uh, that they definitely push us at school to start talking about college and everything like that. But um, while I do love the journalism path and everything I've gotten to do, I haven't exactly decided if I want just journalism or um, communications. Uh, my brother's getting his master's in communications, and um, that really seems intriguing to me. Um, but, but no decisions yet. It'll definitely be something in that area, and I definitely want to do something in sports and in my life with my job because I, I can't love it so much and not be a part of it. I can't imagine not working in sports. But my dream ever since I was about the age I started liking the Orioles, before I knew anything about writing, my, my goal was to be the general manager of a baseball team that's just like my ultimate dream job and people always tell me you know there's only 30 jobs available and I said I know but I want one of them yeah, so that that's that's my ultimate dream and I don't know if that's business or, or sports management but that that's all something that um, I'll take into consideration yeah there's nothing wrong with uh, aspiring to be in a job where there's only 30 positions available. I think I think you go for it, right? Also, yeah. I I I want to give my two cents if I may, and I know you're not asking for this, but I think the the what you've achieved as a writer, obviously there's more room to grow and cultivation, but I think for you to aspire to be a general manager is is what, exactly what you should because you shouldn't just aim to be a journalist, right? You've already been a journalist, and you know you can do that, and you could succeed at doing that, which is great. But the the talent of writing that you have is is not an easy skill to acquire, and the fact that you have done such a good job at such a young age already goes to show that this is something that you can cultivate throughout your life no matter what position you're in. And if you're good at math already... I think maybe that's the emphasis you need to take is math with some sort of writing uh, emphasis infused with that because it reminds me of a story of Moneyball. Have you, and I'm sure you've seen the movie. Have you read the book? I have not read the book, but it's funny you say that because that movie was the movie that really sparked my my interest even more in the general managing aspect. So Yeah, and... and I definitely love the story. I can see why because... Uh, Jonah Hill in the movie is based on a character. His name in the movie is Peter Brand, but the real person is Paul De Podesta, is his name. And the, mm-hmm. how they tell that story in the movie is exactly how it played out, is that he was part of the Indians uh, management program. And really what he was mainly was an analyst. And those analysts are really numbers guys. 
and you know you get to be a numbers guy by being a great mathematician you know knowing your stuff in that regard knowing how to crunch the data and the fact that you'd be able to write and explain all this in ways that can be understood would be such an Ill invaluable skill that it could really help you as you move along in your career and that's the point i wanted to make was because paul de podesta started out as an analyst and now he's working um i'm not sure i don't is he a general manager right now as well he was he was high up there with the red sox i believe i don't know if you um i, I don't them. believe he's a general manager right now he might have been um at some point recently but i i don't think he is right now yeah he's maybe not right now um Oh, you know, he switched sports. That's right. He's with the Cleveland Browns now. And that actually just barely happened. So you can't base the woes of the Cleveland Browns on him quite yet. But he did switch. Um, and he actually, um, he's the chief strategy officer for the Cleveland Browns, which is, I mean, that's right up there with uh, general managing positions. Like he's, his next step could very well be general manager for a sport. And all these sports are similar and you like all these sports alike. So I, I would encourage you to read Moneyball and get into that because it really dives into the details of the numbers behind what they were doing in Oakland for the athletics. And I think you're certainly old enough to understand all of that. I read it maybe five years ago when I was uh, 24. So I'm certain you could handle that because you're already a better writer than I am. Probably ever will be too. So <laughs> there's that. No, don't say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But um, – Really, I, I think that, that your aspirations are, are completely uh, based on something real, and I think you should keep going with that. I wanted to ask you a couple questions before we wrap up here, though, and this has been, this has been a, such a pleasure of ours. Thank you for, again for uh, taking the time out to do this with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I see here uh, Tim Kirkagen is one of your uh, favorite writers. Is that right? So do you have a Tim Kirkagen impression that you might want to give us? Oh, no. No, that's <laughs> not, not I, I have. No, okay. Fair enough. I was thinking that one might might be kind of a long shot, but you so you know your uh, favorite baseball team is clearly the Orioles. How about football and basketball? Well, a lot of people think I'm crazy and all over the place with all my teams. So I I'm definitely past the point of of uh being embarrassed by who I like, but baseball, Baltimore Orioles, um, football is the Miami Dolphins, and basketball, even though I live in San Antonio, and I do love the Spurs, but my favorite basketball team is the New Orleans Pelicans. Wow. And that, yeah, and that is because Chris Paul, um, when he was with the Hornets at the time, uh, he I, I just loved the way he played. I loved watching him. So the the Hornets were always kind of like they were never my favorite team, but I always loved watching them. And the Spurs were, of course, my favorite team. But in um, I think it was also 2006. So 2006, seven was a busy year for me, mm -hmm. an important year in sports. But in, uh, the Spurs lost in the Western Conference Finals to the Dallas Mavericks. And I was absolutely devastated. I cried. I didn't go to school for a couple days. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't stand Dirk Nowitzki. 
mm-hmm. that he beat Manu Ginobili. It was tragic. And I was so angry at the Spurs that I said, you know what? I'm a Hornets fan now. <laughs> and so I, I, I made that switch. And kind of the same thing with the Orioles, even though they're not they weren't one of the best teams and they aren't one of the best teams now is I'm just loyalty is something that's very important to me. So once I like a team, it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. That's still going to be my team. Well, nobody can knock you for that. That's for sure. So what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Um, I love little big league. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but... I have, and I love about, it, too. Yeah, the the kid general manager, so... Which actually sounds that, just like you, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to be. That's that's so funny, you, you actually... I, that, that's so funny you bring that up, because I even remember thinking as I was kind of the questions I was going to ask you with this podcast, I was... That movie came into play. I was like, he kind of sounds... He kind of reminds me of Billy... I can't remember his last name, but the Billy, the kid from Little Big League, who, you know, Billy man, Haywood. Billy Haywood. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Who, uh, who managed, became the manager of the Twins at like the young age of fifteen or fourteen or something like that. So there you go. Yeah, that's definitely um, my favorite movie, just because I, I can definitely see myself doing that, and between that and Moneyball. My favorite parts of Moneyball are when he's trying to make trades with all the all the different teams, and he just he grabs one phone, calls one general manager, uh, puts it down for a second, calls the other one, and he's calling these guys back and forth, trying to switch things between them to make the trade happen. And I'm just like, that would be so cool, talking to these general managers of teams, deciding for yourself how like how it's going to play out, and just trying to make it happen. So. Between that movie and, and Little Big League, that's that's what I hope to put together and hopefully be one day. Well, best of luck with that. And those are both great movie choices. And I agree, that scene is awesome. Brad Pitt so, does such a good job selling that. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite book? Um, favorite book? That's a little bit harder. I don't read as many books as you might think. What I do read is um, a lot and a lot and a lot of articles. Um, Twitter is is pretty much where I live on my phone-wise. I mean, I'm not someone who my age might be on their phone all day texting or checking Snapchat or all that. It's Twitter where I follow, I think, almost 2,000 people, and it's just from reporters to teams to players and I'm just fascinated by by keeping up with what's happening uh, minute by minute, whether it be the sports world or uh, recently I've gotten into a little bit more of, like, the news cycle. But just um, I, I read a lot of articles, so I don't read as many books, but um, I love Tim Kirchner's book, um, is, is This a Great Game or What? It was the first book he wrote. I think he came out with a second one. I haven't read that one yet, but... I love is this, is this a great game or what? Um, and then on the fiction side, um, I like The Giver. We read it in eighth grade English, and 
most people hated it, but I really liked that story for some reason. So those mm. are my favorite books. Well, great. That's amazing. Um, well, good luck with all that. And I, and I really think you should, when you get a chance, give Moneyball a try. It's one of those books that sucks you in. I know you've seen the movie, so it gets a little harder to read the story afterwards because you kind of know how it all plays out. But it does do a lot better job going into the depths of the numbers, which I think is something that you may be intrigued by. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely take a look. Yeah. Um, well, Brian, thanks again so much for your time. Do you have any questions for me? No, I, I really appreciate you having me, and um, I look forward to, to seeing how it turns out and uh, hopefully keeping in touch with y'all, you and, and Jody in the future for anything you, you might need from me. Oh, we'll be keeping tabs on you. I don't know if you've already um, thought of where you want to go to school. Where do you want to go to school? Um, another uh, question that a lot of people ask now as a sophomore, um, I, I don't um, have, like, one completely nailed down, but I know you won't like hearing this necessarily from Texas Tech, but um, my, my number one school my whole life has been Texas. UT Austin, um, yeah. My, it, my oldest brother went to UT, and um, I... I mean, since he went, we all are fans of UT, so I've kind of grown up loving the Longhorns and still do, and it is um, one of the better universities in Texas. I'm not one to to go very, to want to go very far away from home, um, so Austin's only an hour away from San Antonio, um, so either either Texas or another really good option for me right now that I'm looking at is, is Vanderbilt. Oh, wow, um, yeah. Private school. Yeah, I love Nashville. Um, I love everything about Vanderbilt, and it's a lot of people don't don't understand where that came from. But I don't know. I just kind of looked at some things about Nashville, and we've we've been to Nashville a couple of times, and I just fell in love with it. So those are a couple of options that I I keep looking at. Well, you know, I don't blame you. Uh, it's great to have your sights set on that. Um, best of luck with that. If you ever decide that you want, if Lubbock is your calling, we would love to have you here at Texas Tech. You'd be an amazing addition to the already growing programs that we have out here. But Brian, thanks again for your time. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely have to keep in touch with you because I'm, I'm very curious. In fact, I'm going to follow you on Twitter because I certainly want to watch your journey and see as you grow. Thank you so much. And if I could just add, um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I mean, that'd be amazing. I also have a sports blog, uh, www.sportswithbrian.com. And that's something I started even before I won Sports Illustrated. Since we were looking for an outlet, um, we got recommended by someone to start a blog. And I kind of put that on hold while I was a Sports Illustrated kid reporter. But I've been trying to build that back up and write as close to daily as I can. School sometimes interferes with that in homework, but I've been trying to build that up and write about anything that's going on. I wrote about the tennis match recently between Nadal and Federer and just um, giving my two cents about what's going on. And then um, also on there I have Sports Illustrated Kids, uh, a Sports Illustrated Kids tab where I keep all my stories from Sports Illustrated Kids, all in order of when I publish them. 
that way it's really easy uh, if you if you ever want to find anything. And also on there I have a ballpark chasing tab where um, right now I've been working really hard to, to try to put together a book about all our adventures ballpark chasing around the country on um, that trip that started in Baltimore and has taken us to 27 stadiums across the country and hopefully 30 really soon. Um, I've written along the way of every trip, and I have journals of everything that we've done, and I hope to put that together into a book. And I'm, I'm starting to put little excerpts and little um, just kind of synopsis of, synopses of what we've done at each stadium, and I hope to keep building that. Well, I love it. I think that's a fantastic idea. I just pulled up your website here. It's amazing. And the fact that you got the domain sportswithbrian.com is so good. That's such a good domain, so easy to remember. I'll definitely be checking it out. I'll definitely follow you on Twitter. I want to see your journey. And one more question, which three ballparks have you not been to? I have not been to Tampa Bay, Miami, and Seattle. Oh. Seattle. Okay. You know, I was kind of hoping you hadn't been to one that I have been to, and that came true. I've been to Seattle. It's a fun park. You'll love it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I hear great things about. It. Yeah, Safeco out there is. Uh, it's 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 really it goes super high. It kind of reminded me of the Dodgers in that regard, and it's it's Seattle's just a beautiful city. You'll love your 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 whole experience there. Um, also, if you are driving there. You might want to stop off. I'm actually, I hail from Salt Lake, Utah. There's a AAA stadium in Salt Lake for the Salt Lake Bees. They're the AAA affiliates for the Angels. And that's rated usually, it was one of the, the more beautiful ballparks. It's it's a smaller one, but it's beautiful because the backdrop is just gorgeous with the mountains. If you happen to be driving to Seattle or you find your way in Salt Lake sometime, I would suggest stopping off there as well because I think you'd really like it. That's a great recommendation. I'll definitely keep that in mind we do try to see anything baseball related because we have driven every single one of those has been um uh, through a road trip so we we do try to stop at triple a stadiums double a stadiums um any anything baseball related is where we stop so I'll, I'll definitely try to stop in salt lake city and people uh my even my family except my mom and i who are the ones that are crazy enough to try to do this but we're trying to see about going this summer to Tampa, Miami, the new Atlanta Stadium, which opens this year because uh, they're leaving Turner Field, and then driving from Atlanta to Seattle and then home. And um, that, that sounds crazy, but <laughs> it sound it'll crazy. be our last stadium, and it'll be just – I think it'll be an amazing experience if we do get to do that. So um, if we do that, we'll definitely be – going through Salt Lake City on the way home. Right. So hopefully stop. Yeah, there you go. Well, good luck with that. I'm going to follow that on Twitter. I'm looking forward to see when this happens, all right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, feel free to subscribe to my blog if, if you want to follow what I write. And just I, I'd love for you to follow my work. Definitely. Will do, Brian. Thank you again so much. Thanks for taking the time. Best of luck with everything in your life. Thank you so much for everything.